0: comes from the inside out. When we're living congruently with our values, there's happiness because there is that sense of wholeness. As wholeness is when the way of your being matches the truth of your being. In this episode, we move on to part two of the book, and he calls us The Power of Doubt. And it begins with chapter 8, titled, The Power of Doubt, The Fifth Agreement, Be Skeptical, But Learn to Listen. He begins kind of repeating this theme that has been happening throughout the book. He says, humans speak with symbols, and that symbols aren't the truth. Symbols are only the truth because we agree, not because they are really the truth. But the second half of the agreement is to learn to listen. And the reason is simple. When you learn to listen, you understand the meaning of the symbols that people are using. You understand their story, and the communication improves a lot. Then, perhaps, instead of all the confusion among humans who inhabit the earth, there will be clarity. Whenever you hear a message from yourself or from another artist, simply ask, Is it truth? or is it not truth? Is it reality, or is it virtual reality? The doubt takes you behind the symbols and makes you responsible for every message you deliver and receive. This is something that takes a minute. It's something that we don't do automatically. We don't stop and ask ourselves, is this true when someone's speaking to us? And I'm talking about Someone just telling us about their vacation, when they're telling you their story about anything, even if it's something great like their vacation, when you take a minute and use this tool to ask yourself, is it true, not that they're telling you a lie, but is there a message behind the message that they're actually speaking with symbols, words, actions, look at their facial expressions and see if there's something deeper in the story that they're sharing. You will learn so much more about them and about the world when you do this. This is one of the things I really loved when I started learning about energy work, because this is the idea behind it, is that there is this communication happening from the body, um, from the heart, from the mind, that is not about words, and it's not about symbols. And if we tune into it, we can learn so much about ourselves and the other person. There is this connection that we have, which I always talk about. The spiritual body is all about connection and meaning, and this is those times where if you do stop and even when someone's telling you a story that seems like nothing, if you tune in and you tune in by just kind of asking yourself, you know, first, you know, what's going on inside of me? Am I listening to them? You know, is this true? What they're telling me is there more behind it? Then it becomes a spiritual experience to be in communication, in relationship, in connection with this person. And you're just talking about their vacation. But you feel this energy inside of, your, of you and it's magical. It feels so amazing. And we've cut ourselves up, off from that so much. One, I think because you need your body to feel those sensations and we don't like our bodies. We judge them. In so many ways, we we think of them as bad or gross. <laughs> we judge them, right? And in that simple judgment of even this doesn't look good, we don't want to receive the messages that it's giving us. But those messages, it, this is the point, this is the time, is when you're in this simple conversation with someone and that connection brings sensations of warmth and pure joy, and just the most wonderful and beautiful human experience that we can have. But we can't have them without tuning in to this place that's unseen, this place that's behind the words that they're saying, the place that we're understanding, that we're hearing their their story from, because when we take in the information like we've spoken in before, we're attaching it to our own experiences in the past. And sometimes in that we are missing out on the communication. So instead of kind of going back and relating to it, let's find connection to the person, feel behind the words and not behind our own. We're moving into our own language, our own symbols. I hope that makes some sense. He says, of course, we need to be careful when we're being skeptical. And I'm so glad that he adds this in. He says, skepticism can go in two directions. One way is to pretend to be skeptical because you think you're too smart to be gullible. This is not skepticism. To be skeptical is not to believe everything you hear and you don't believe it because it's not the truth. That's all. The way to be skeptical is just to be aware that the entire humanity believes in lies. You know that humans distort the truth because we are dreaming, and our dream is just a reflection of the truth. This kind of goes back to what I was saying before, that, you know, when we're in this communication, a lot of times we are relating our experience, which is good, but we kind of distort the message. He says in this quote, the way to be skeptical is just to be aware that the entire humanity believes in lies. And I just want to talk about that word lie in fact we can use this as an experiment right now. When you hear that when I when I quoted that again and I'll say it one more time. The way to be skeptical is just to be aware that the entire humanity believes in lies. Feel into your body. What is going on there when you hear that. Think about or notice the defenses that maybe come up or the justifications. Sometimes we're like, you know, immediately, usually we have this relationship to it. And we're either in defense like, except for this, or we're like, yeah, this person or this this group or whatever. And we're right there with our story using this quote in our own relationship to it when each of the words are completely benign it's our meaning it's our experience that weighs what happens with this sentence and when i say that and when you looked at that that defense or that justification or whatever whatever story shows up pay attention to that story pay attention to what that is, most likely there's things in that story that present themselves almost immediately when I talk about the entire humanity believes in lies. Chances are there's some healing that's hap- that needs to happen there. Chances are we've put a lot of emphasis on that sentence in a way that really isn't the truth meaning someone else has a different truth about it which we'll talk about later doesn't mean that your truth doesn't matter but we need to begin to look at it and that's what to me this book especially this agreement doubt and learn to listen is all about because we kind of we've kind of moved in all these directions in our society uh, headstrong forward not realizing that we're taking some of these stories with us and we think everybody agrees with that story or everybody understands from that perspective and they don't. We don't. We're not meant to. He says in the book, people will come to you and tell you their point of view, what they believe is truth, but you won't judge it if it's truth or if it's not truth. You don't have any judgment. But you do have respect. You listen in the way other people express their symbols, knowing that whatever they say is a distortion of their beliefs. You know that what they are telling you is nothing but a story, and you know it, and this is important, because you can feel it. Like we talked about before, when you pause for a moment, and you feel it. And again, this is using strong language, we, we kind of put it into these important conversations that we might be having, but it happens on the simplest ones automatically. When someone's telling your story, they're telling you again about their vacation. Maybe they're telling you all the good things about it, and then maybe you're going to think, huh, is she or he or they okay right now? are they trying to make up for something within themselves and it's not about a judgment like he says it's just respect oh I'm I can feel that I can feel that they have a little insecurity and this is how they're presenting themselves by telling me about their wonderful vacation or at the same time what if they are telling you about their vacation and everything seems to be what everything went wrong and as you don't listen or don't believe their story and understand that they're coming with you to you with this story through their distortion and their beliefs, it changes things. So they're telling you all these negative things that happened on their trip and you stop and feel into your body and think, oh, wow, I don't know if this person can feel if they're nervous about bragging and so they want to make sure that they're not bragging. And so they're going to tell some of the difficult things or maybe that, Oh wow, this person's, you know, I wonder, you know, we don't even have to go into the whole story of a wonder, but just being aware and feeling that while wow, they're telling me these negative things, something's distorted in their belief. And again, not to judge it. We have ultimate respect. We don't have to stop at that moment and say, Hey, Right there, that's. Do you have that right in there? You know, that's something I have to be careful with because when we go into a session, those are some things we do do in a session, in a healing session, we do ask ourselves those questions. But when we're at the grocery store or or at the mall and we're just having a conversation with someone, it's not about getting them to the bottom of their issue. But when I stop and listen and connect to them and find maybe a little bit of what their meaning is then there's a connection that can happen. There's a relationship between us that I can feel, and I hope they begin to feel, especially when I leave the judgment out of it and just stand with respect. I just hold their story, both of it, both what's being said and what their meaning or what their belief system or what the distortion is. I hold both of those for them, and people feel it. And I've had magical experiences when I've done that. So I challenge you to do the same. He says in there, you don't have to form an opinion about what someone says. You don't have to express your own opinion. You don't have to agree or disagree. Just listen. That's it. We have to build that muscle a little bit, but... It's much easier when you use this idea of doubt, when you're just there and you understand this idea of we communicate through our beliefs, through our stories. Once you just really have the aha moment about that, it becomes so much easier. And then you're listening to their words, but you're feeling their words as well. Another quote in chapter eight is, The only truth for you is what you perceive in your world. With this awareness, there's nothing to prove to anyone. It's not about being right or wrong. You respect whatever somebody says because it's another artist speaking. Respect is so important. When you learn to listen, you show respect for the other artists. You show respect for their art, for their creation. I love the idea of thinking about people's lives, their stories, their beliefs, all of what they choose to create in their life as their art. That just sounds so beautiful, and it's so true. Sometimes there's art that doesn't appeal to me. That's not my taste. But to other people, that's the greatest art in the world. And so there's no judgment. There's no need for judgment around it. I simply choose to put in my walls, in my home, the art that speaks to me. And I don't worry about art that speaks to someone else, even if it's the thing that I think is just terrible, ugly art. It serves a purpose somewhere for someone. It serves them in some way, even if it's a dysfunctional way, it serves them and I can honor their desire for that art, their need for that art. I love the idea of art. A few years back, I was with my daughter, and we had had an experience in our junior high where she was younger. She was in elementary school, but her brothers were in junior high. And there was a young junior high girl who had accidentally played with a gun and shot and killed a younger sibling. And it just kind of rocked. Our area was so tragic. All the thoughts and feelings and emotions and all of that would, that goes into that experience is you can just imagine. So it just kind of rocked us a little bit. And my daughter was young. She was probably six or seven. And we were driving at night and then, and she was sitting in the back of the car. I think she she was young enough. She needed to sit in the back and it was just me and her. And she said to me, you know, you could tell she had been thinking about how this works because bad people kill, bad people kill. And yet here was this experience where this young girl could see that this wasn't a bad girl, but she killed someone. And how do you make sense of that to a young person that good is good and bad is bad This was a pivotal moment for her, but she is the one that taught me something so profound. She said, I wonder if it's like we're here on this planet to make a cake. And she said, you know, some people put some yucky things in their cake and we need someone else to come and take that out. For her, she was speaking of, of a, of a savior that would come and help you when something terrible got put in your cake, something that just wasn't going to work. You need someone to come and help you remove that from your cake. But maybe we're all just trying to make these cakes and that's our goal. And, and then she thought for a few minutes and she said, you know, I think there might be some people that don't care about cake. Maybe they just need the ingredients to eat their meal. So maybe I don't expect them to create a beautiful cake. Because cake is kind of not what they even are craving. They're starving, they're hungry. So maybe it's not about a cake for them. And then maybe all of us have this different cake that we present, but it's like our creation. And I don't know if you can feel into that story I just told you. Notice the connections and the sensations you have about when I tell you that story. But when I felt into that story about the meaning she was trying to teach me, I felt complete truth, deep truth, about every human on this planet that we're here to create something. And some of us, the creation is survival, maybe. And that's beautiful, too. But that reminded me in this book, which I read years later, about creation and art. And I loved that story from Hazel. The other part of that, and this is something that Hazel taught me as well, is that I have to believe or allow my art to be beautiful. It doesn't matter if everyone buys my art. Everybody thinks my art is the best art in the whole world. If I don't believe it, it means nothing. And my belief can happen when nobody has bought my art or when everybody has bought my art or somewhere in between. It doesn't matter where that happens, but I have to do it at some point. I have to allow my own art to be beautiful. Something that gets in the way is the comparison. Because again, I might compare my art to someone else's art, thinking theirs is more beautiful than mine. The comparison doesn't need to happen. It doesn't need to happen. In the book, he says, Everything you know, your whole reality, is nothing but symbols. But you are not that bunch of symbols that talk in your head. You know that, and that's why you are skeptical, and you don't believe yourself. If your beliefs are telling you, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm old, I'm a loser, I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'll never make it, then don't believe yourself, because it's not true. These messages are distorted. They're nothing but lies. Once you can see the lies, you don't have to believe them. Use the power of doubt to challenge every message that you deliver to yourself. Is it really true that I'm ugly? Is it really true that I'm not good enough? Is this message real or virtual? Of course, it is virtual. None of these messages come from truth, from life. They come from distortion in our knowledge. The truth is, there are no ugly people. There is no good enough or strong enough. There's no universal book of law where any of these judgments are true. These judgments are just agreements that humans make. I think it's beautiful that humans come together and we make agreements about what we think is beautiful and what we think is ugly. That's a whole separate issue that we get to to participate in, but we willingly participate in it instead of thinking that this is the way it is 100% true that's what he's trying to say. Back to a little bit of Hazel's art, he says, you are the artist. You can arrange the symbols in any way you want, in any direction you want, because all those symbols are at your command. You can use the symbols to ask for what you need, to express what you want, what you don't want. You can express your thoughts, your feelings, your dreams in the most beautiful poetry or prose. And this is what I was getting at before. Once we do some of these initial steps where we doubt a little bit, where we understand where our own experience colors the experience that we're having right now, where our own experience colors the communication we're having with someone else, when we tune into ourselves, when we start to feel this connection between people and we understand that that they're doing that too, we're doing that, we're doing, they're doing that. Then we get to move into this whole other realm of walking through the earth with our own paintbrush, creating our art, not worrying about whether it's good enough, not worrying about whether we are doing it right or wrong. We become even more of a creator because we're doing it with intention and we're doing it with our own way of looking at things. And that's okay. And then we become so authentic in that because what we're saying and what we're doing and what we're speaking, we're choosing it, knowing that we're creating it. There's just some confidence that gets built there. And when we have that confidence within ourselves, then when somebody else is creating something and we understand it's their story and we understand they're doing it on their side, whatever it is, we, we can just let them. And we don't have to find that discomfort in between us. All of this, you know, that he's really talking about, he's not talking about, you know, that this people are lying about their stories or that it didn't really happen. You know, again, I just want to iterate, reiterate, all of what he is saying is about communicating with symbols. Symbols are letters, words, numbers, written or spoken. They might be pictures we speak a lot in innuendo. I find as I've learned this process, it's true. A lot of times we don't even hardly finish a sentence. If we were to put that sentence on the paper and have an English professor grade it, it wouldn't even make sense. We speak so much more in this the symbol, the symbol way of thinking beyond the words. And so those are, that's where the agreement comes in because we need to have that agreement in order for that communication to work. But we need to stop, look, and really understand the agreement, whether it's within ourselves or whether it's with the other person or people we're talking to. He says in the book, once you realize that you create the whole symbology to communicate with your own kind, then you find out that the symbols are not really good or bad or right or wrong. You make them right, Or you make them wrong with your beliefs. That is the power of your belief. But the truth is beyond belief. When you go beyond symbols, what you find is a world of perfection where everyone and everything in creation is perfect. Perfect is another word. What you find is a world of perfection where everyone and everything in creation is perfect. Again, feel into your body. What does that feel like to you? Do you have a defense against it or do you have a justification for it? Is there, what's the story that shows up immediately when you think about everybody's perfect? And then we can doubt and say, is that really true? Like, what does perfection mean? Because perfection really usually means whole. And I know that at this point in my life, I'm the most whole I'll ever be because I'm encompassed with everything I've been through what we care about the most in the wholeness network is we're not trying to cut away the, the bad things. We're trying to incorporate and accept them in our lives as part of our wholeness or a completeness or perfection. And then tomorrow I'm going to hopefully be a different perfection. And today my perfection might look totally different than the person next to me. And if I judge it that way, then it doesn't look perfect. But if I only judge it within myself, with what I'm doing now, then it is. In this very moment, it is. I'm as perfect or whole because I'm allowing all of who I am to be part of me. When we use these tools to understand how we as humans distort things, is how he would say in the book, and how we relate to these things within our own belief system and belief system meaning just let me give you an example if you grew up in a home where you were asked to take your shoes off when you came in the house something simple some people do that and let's say you grew up in a home where you did that and then and but also if you didn't do that if you walked across the carpet you got in trouble then you move on and you go move, you get married, or you move off to college, or wherever you go, that's not in this home with this belief system that walking on the carpet with shoes is bad enough to get in trouble for, then that's going to be a huge belief for you. And when people walk across the carpet, you're going to have this idea, or this feeling, or this distortion going on in your mind that walking on carpet is bad and that person shouldn't do it. Or maybe even like, see, walking on your carpet doesn't kill you. And you're going through life with just this simple belief. But really, when you go underneath it, is that true? Is that important? But that was just your belief system that happened within your home. And and just to understand that that's different than the truth. And then we can choose, does that support me or not? I hope that I can communicate with distortion and of communication that we have, this idea of really learning to create your own life and to allow yourself to see your creation as beautiful. It's your opinion, it's your taste and that's okay. And so move through the world with the confidence that you are creating with intention, and your creation is beautiful. We invite you to the thewholenessnetwork.com, where you'll find the Wholeness Library. Inside, you'll find tutorials, downloads, mini-classes, and all sorts of streaming content for you on your wholeness journey.